Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31 And I'm gonna be high as a kind by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely. Out in space on such a time. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the Sacramento Kings are back in action tonight as they start a three-game road trip. Takes them from Houston to Memphis to Dallas before finally returning home again again the month of December. As we told you, a very busy month, most of it on the road. Welcome in to another edition of Locked on Kings. I'm your host, Jason Ross. Today on the podcast, we will check in on a preview with the Houston Rockets with their radio play-by-play. Does television work as well for the Rockets? That's Craig Ackerman. He will be joining us in just a few moments. Some other things for us to get to, but we start out with news about uh, the health of the Sacramento Kings. Ben McLemore, Rudy Gay, both left Monday's game after starting the game. Neither made it through the first half. Both left with injuries, a hip flexor for Rudy, and a thigh contusion for Ben McLemore. Both uh, have been deemed day-to-day. For Rudy, he actually had an MRI and uh, that proved the results negative. So both guys are day-to-day, and hopefully they will be back soon and playing meaningful minutes for the Sacramento Kings. Now, the Kings uh, won their last game. They beat the Lakers, but in that game there was plenty of drama, as there always seems to be, and one of the key elements of the drama were the technical fouls that were called. Six on the Lakers, one on the Kings. That was the ninth of the season on DeMarcus Cousins, and... We know we've talked a lot about DeMarcus on this podcast, and others have as well. And so I always like to check in with a perspective on this team from outside the area. So The Jump, which is a daily basketball show on ESPN with Rachel Nichols, and in this case, Zach Lowe and Tracy McGrady, they hit up that King soap opera once again. As the Kings turn. Oh, boogie. It's a daily show. It's a daily show. I don't make it a daily show. The Sacramento Kings make it a daily show because Boogie Cousins also picked up a tech of his own. This was for trash talking Brian Shaw in front of one of the officials. And look, afterward, Boogie said he thought it was an overreaction. A little soap opera, maybe uh, overreaction from the officials there. He did get an attack. He thinks that he is getting unfairly targeted. Quote, it's been a while. Since I've just went up to a ref and cursed him out, which apparently he thinks, hey, Boogie, Um, so I really don't know what to do. I see how some guys talk to the refs, and it's okay. And then there's me. It just depends on their mood. So, Tracy, this latest episode 
of As Sacramento Turns. How do you feel? Well, how I feel is this is Boogie's history catching up to him. You know, uh, how he's treated refs in the, in the past, showing them up. They, don't, they never forget that. So, when, it, Wallace so when an event occurs like it did last night, it's always going to catch up to you. Boogie <laughs> yeah, calls a lot of this on itself. Now, he seems like he's learning from it. You know, he said he's having went up to a, a ref and cursed. Like, actually yeah. cursed at them. You so me a he, little award for that, hey, right? He's learning. Brownie, cupcake. Yeah, Are there any other plot plot elements in this soap opera? Oh. Or is it just the same now, one over and me, over again? Now, let's stay in the same season, game baby. because I got, I got a bunch of them. The, the call that was on Randall, Boogie should have been called for a foul on that. Let's right. just be honest. And, right. you know, they let him get away with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I do have to point out, this was his ninth tech of the season. That puts him on pace for 28 yeah. checks this season. Go for season. it. Go for 30. We know, of course, she got many more than that back in the day. But back then, there wasn't the penalty yeah. the league has now. Now, once you hit 16, you get suspended. And then you start getting suspended for every other tech yeah. after that. So if he actually did stay on pace, this 28 tech a season pace, you were talking about one of the teams in the NBA losing its inarguably best player for so many games, that can't happen. It can't, it can't continue this way. It, Something's got to get. It's not going to continue that way. He'll get up to 14, 15, and then he'll calm down a little bit, and he'll <laughs> say, look, I can do it. See, I can do See, it. And we'll I have didn't this, curse and, anyone And out. then we'll have the same plot element again on mm-hmm. as Sacramento turns, turns or whatever exactly. it's Bring the music back. No, no, no. Just kidding. Yeah, the one thing they were saying, DeMarcus has shown the ability to calm it down for a few games, but as I said in yesterday's podcast, the thing that's happening to him a lot right now is the double technical. So the referees do that a lot when they don't want a game to be influenced by one guy getting a technical, the other team shooting free throws. DeMarcus has had three or four of the nine that were double technicals. Those are easier to call. You call two guilty parties. Nobody gains a game advantage. The problem is DeMarcus now has nine, and he's way above pace, as you heard there. Um, Rachel Nichols suggesting around 28. Now, he can't get to that. I mean, he can literally get that high, but he's going to keep missing a ton of games starting at 16. If that's the case. So he's got to go a stretch here of about five to ten games without getting one. And that's been difficult for him. He's he's way ahead of that pace. So hopefully he'll be able to cool it here uh, for the Kings, especially on this road trip. But I know it's an emotional game. He's an emotional player. But he hasn't been able to check himself that often this season. Uh, but you want to get to another game, another game at home, another game in any arena. How about SeatGeek? It's the smartest, easiest way for you to find tickets to the games that you want to see up close and in person. Really the best way to do it. And there's nothing like being at the game for those big moments of the year, the big plays. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to guarantee seats that you want for the great value because the SeatGeek app is that easiest way to shop for tickets. You can literally be anywhere at any time and a few taps and the tickets will be right there for you. That's what you want. They'll be yours. With SeatGeek, you get the best deals. They've already done the work. They've compared prices for you, and they grade every ticket so you will find the best deals that fit your budget. And here's the other part of this that makes it exciting because every ticket you buy is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you shop with confidence when you're heading to the game with these tickets. Best of all, all you diehard fans here of the Locked On Kings, and I do thank you sincerely for the support, you listeners will get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, Go to the settings tab and then click add a promo code. Enter LO Kings, LO Kings, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made that first ticket request. It's that simple. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LO Kings. Enter promo code LO Kings. 
All right, as we told you, we're going to talk a little bit about the Houston Rockets. Kings ready to start this road trip, taking on the Houston Rockets and a guy who does their television work. He does their radio work. He does everything. That's Craig Ackerman joining us here. Craig, uh, things are pretty good right now for Houston. They're rolling. Record's good. They've won seven in a row. Um, it's got Everybody's got to be pretty thrilled with the Rockets at this point. Uh, rose petals and lollipops. <laughs> uh, quite the, the stark uh, contrast from what it was around, uh, you know, what the mood was like around these parts uh, a year ago. I mean, just night and day difference. Um, the chemistry, the vibe from day one has been tremendous. Um, dare I say it's even better now because they continue to win. Um, they went from the league's, you know, biggest disappointment a season ago to uh, the NBA's perhaps biggest surprise um, by most accounts uh, this season. And, uh, yeah, they're playing great. The last time we were in Sacramento, we started off uh, that road trip, and they were so very impressive, especially at the tail end of that road trip with a double overtime win at Golden State, followed up by a back-to-back that nobody wins in Denver, but hmm. they did, and they crushed the Nuggets. And, yeah, I mean, they've just, they just keep on winning, and they're tied with the Clippers for the third-best record in the West. Yeah, and you mentioned that it's a world of difference how everybody's feeling a year from, uh, from a year ago. And I'll say this as a hoops junkie, a guy that follows the entire league, I was not a biggest fan of James Harden or how he played, the style of the Rockets. And now we're a year later, and I don't, I can't even quantify why I feel different about him and about the team, but I do. And you know, watch that Warrior game was about as entertaining as it gets. But I'm, I'm kind of in his camp now, and I, I don't really have a reason why. But I don't know if, of course, you're supporting the team. But do you sense that more people are liking how the oh, Rockets are playing? I was gonna before you uh, added that caveat. I was gonna say, hey, you, you've joined a, a lot of people. Um, that I've seen fans and otherwise media that they do feel like they're back on board um, the James Harden uh, train. Look, last year, um, we'll, you got to kind of separate it in segments. Um, he was not very good the first month of the year last year. But when the season had finally, and defensively, he took huge steps back. I mean, the year before, when he finishes the runner up to Curry as the MVP, um, he gave effort at the defensive end of the floor he was he paid attention to details at that end of the floor um and that's why he was honored as such as the second guy behind curry and obviously he was the player's choice for mvp and i thought he was deserving uh, of the honor of that particular season but last year his defense took leaps i mean just took huge strides backwards to where it was you know a couple of uh, years before um you know and he was called out quite often defensively However, when the season ended, he still put up numbers that only three other players in NBA history had ever put up and was snubbed from all the all-NBA teams. Um, so it wasn't like he was chopped liver last year, but the, the mood, the vibe specifically around James Harden was a negative one because the Rockets were expected to be a whole lot better, and he was their best player, and he got off to a bad start, and you know um, he took steps back defensively he was still a really really good player but now flash forward this season playing in in a in a much more um motion friendly system under mike d'antoni who to his credit right off the bat and a lot of people laughed at him we're gonna make james harden our point guard and people are like no it's not gonna work he's not steve nash blah 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 he's not steve nash but he's pretty darn good he leads the league in assists he's really accepted uh that particular uh, role tremendously well. They've surrounded him with uh, some great shooting. And so now Harden's always been a willing and able passer. His court vision is amongst the best in the league. And now when he drives and kicks the guys 
on the wings or in the corners. They have a lot of guys who actually can knock down threes. And again, the whole the whole thing, the whole vibe, the whole um, narrative around him and the team has changed instantly from one year to the next. Yeah, and it's amazing that you, you brought that up about Harden playing point. I still remember opening night, or it was your opening night, our opening night. Kings are on the road in Phoenix. I'm in the studio, and the Kings are playing their game, and the Lakers and you guys are playing, and they put up the graphic, a quote from Coach D'Antoni saying, yeah, James Harden averaged seven assists last year. There's no reason why he can't double it. And I'm thinking, double it? There's yeah, no- he was thinking 15. He was like, yeah, he could average 15 assists this year. Yeah, and I thought not gonna, I don't, he's probably not going to get there. But hey, but he's 12, pushing it pretty close. Yeah, yeah, and I thought he was crazy even for suggesting it. But he saw something, and I'll even I don't even care if he doesn't get there. If he gets 12, 13, or leads the league, that's really impressive. So coach saw something there that would work. Oh, uh, absolutely. And really, the the biggest difference. James is always, you know, he was always the primary ball handler under Kevin McHale and then J.B. Bickerstaff after Kevin was was let go. But the difference, you know, this time around is that he gets the ball to initiate the sets as opposed to perhaps another quote-unquote true point guard bringing it up, making the first, maybe the second pass, and then James gets it to do his thing. Now he brings it up the floor and starts to initiate it from the very get-go. And again, his court vision is amazing. Um, he's always been amongst the best, if not the best, uh, passer to guys to get off open corner threes, which were among the most efficient shots in the game. And again, now you spread the floor with just a a myriad of 40% three-point shooters and Trevor Reese and Pat Beverly and Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon, who has been ungodly hot as of late. Um, All of a sudden, those assist numbers jump because those passers are now ending up in the hands of guys who can routinely knock down the threes. How about the challenge for you then? When you guys came here to Golden One Center in Sacramento, you set an NBA record 50. How how many different ways can you describe a three now, whether you're working television or radio with these guys? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, the Rockets have always been a high volume, you know, three-point shooting team ever since Daryl Moria took over. And frankly, um, if you're in the NBA and you're not playing that way, then you're getting left behind. I mean, it's just just the way it is. And honestly, it's simple math. It really is. Now, the Rockets obviously lead the NBA. They average over 37 three-point attempts uh, per game and took it to the extreme extreme in Sacramento. Uh, But I think that 50 attempts will be broken by Houston or Golden State or Cleveland at some point this season. I mean, the entire league is trending that way. And they, again, they have guys, in addition to James Harden, who can just fill it up from three. So why not? It's, It's a much better shot to just step back two feet and take the three as opposed to take the long two. It's more efficient. And again, James Harden is terrific in terms of driving and finishing at the rim and getting to the free throw line. I mean, he is the poster child for analytics, and that's why the Rockets did everything that they could to get him initially from Oklahoma City when they made him available. And, you know, he's become the player that he is today. And with all the three-point shooters you mentioned, they've surrounded him by, and they all can shoot it. A guy that has impressed me as much as anyone this year is Clint Capella. He's just gotten better and better. Yep. How valuable is he? Uh, in, 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 immeasurable. I mean, it's amazing how quickly he's developed and has improved as a player. First and foremost, another thing that's lent to the, the great chemistry this year is that everybody has a def- defined role and everybody understands, accepts it, and relishes their particular role. Same thing with Clint Capella. Um, I never understood why, look, I I am a Dwight Howard fan. I never understood why he was so hesitant to be the screener and then roll because when he was in Orlando, that's when he was his most dominant 
himself. And when he left Orlando, he was always very hesitant to be the high screener with the guard and roll. He wanted the ball in the block. Clint Capella's not that guy. He'll come up. He'll set the screen. He dives down the lane. So many of his hoops come come directly from James Harden. Assists. Uh, when the Rockets push the tempo, I think he might run the floor better than any big um, in the league. He's still not a great free throw shooter, but he's improved exponentially uh, there as well. He still needs to put on weight um, to become, I think, a 30-minute-a-night guy. Um, but again, he thrives in his role. He understands it. He gets it. Um, and it really adds to the effectiveness and efficiency of this Rockets offense. So, Craig, you've experienced it all with this team just in the last two years, a Western Conference Finals trip. Last year you have to match up with the Warriors to start things out uh, based on not having the best record a season ago, and you kind of uh, broke that down how that went. So where are they now amongst the Western Conference? Where would you say they, they kind of fall in line? Um, I, I think they've, they're, they're in line with where I kind of figured they would be. Uh, and I think, honestly, the organization, that was their initial goal um, to fight for home court advantage in the first round um, and see what happens. But I think they're like on a 59-win pace, which I don't Ooh. think anybody saw coming, including uh, myself. I thought that provided good health, and that's still a major issue because the three guys, the three main guys they picked up in the offseason have, at least over the last handful of years, have had you know all kinds of injury issues between Nene and Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson to a lesser extent, but he's had some injury problems over the last couple of years uh, that I thought with with good health that the Rockets could probably be a 50 win team uh, that was their ceiling so that would probably put them at four or five in the west coming into the season but I, I didn't see this happening I mean they have some they have some really impressive signature wins I mean they've sure. won at Golden State you know they've won um, at San Antonio they played Cleveland great in Cleveland ultimately um, lost that game I think I'm missing uh, another uh, signature win road win they, they basically played their entire season on the road uh, to this point. But I, I think they're going to – I don't think they're – Golden State is the best in the West. I don't think there's any debating that. Uh, the Spurs are the Spurs. Um, you know, the Clippers, I think – so It's they're going to be fighting, I think, ultimately three, four, five in the West. And, again, the caveat of health and, and um, you know, um, the trade deadline and whether some of these teams improve or not improve or and so on and so forth. I, I think I think they're right, honestly. Um they're probably going to end up finishing where around the area uh, where they are right now, but it's it's been a tremendously fun ride. Yeah, and you know the last two years the Warriors were the team that took you guys out, but whether it's the way they're constructed this year and the way you guys are constructed this year, it seems like you're much better equipped if you met them again in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would I would say on paper yes, the matchup is 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 more ideal, uh, but their talent is still yeah, it's not what you want. Better, yeah, yeah their their talent is still significantly better. Uh, than everybody else. Um, but they have guys now who can go toe-to-toe with them shooting trees. I mean, um, and uh, they now have a foreman in Ryan Anderson that pulls Draymond Green away from the rim if that's his particular uh, defensive assignment. The Rockets bench is incredible as well. I mean, I mentioned Eric Gordon. He's on the hottest shooting streak in the history of the league by somebody not named Steph Curry. Mm. 
Um, but other guys have stepped up too. Sam Decker, who was has rookie season last year, ruined because of a back injury and then subsequently back surgery, has played great. Nene has been really good. They're now playing three centers on most nights with Montres Harrell. He's been terrific. Corey Brewer certainly uh, has his moments. He's out there uh, to wreak havoc. Um, and the Rockets bench on most nights come in, and that second unit just demolishes other teams' second units. And Golden State, if they have a weakness this year, is that their bench, because they had to liquidate their roster to free up cap space to sign Kevin Durant, they don't have the depth that they had. And in that game in Oakland, uh, on this last long road trip, the Rockets bench outplayed their reserves exponentially and significantly. So um, they have an edge there too. So um, it, they're, you know, they have, they have eight or nine guys who are routinely contributing to the Rockets success um, every night. And again, it's, it's been a whole lot of fun to watch. Where are we with uh, Moda Yunus? Will he be another one of those guys soon? <clears throat> I have no idea. <laughs> That's um, just love, a weird story. I, I, it's, uh, it's beyond weird. I, I love Demo. Uh, honestly, um, he's been my favorite player on the roster. He's just a really good guy. Um, but this situation is just, it's just strange. And I guess I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Understood. Uh, I want to ask you then about our team, the Kings. Um, they've been in that NBA no man's land where they're not the worst team in the league. They're not in the top eight. It's been a decade plus. You've seen this team. You've followed the league. You've been around the league. Uh, I don't know, just an outsider's perspective on, on what's going on with the Sacramento Kings. You want me to be completely honest? Oh, we love honesty. Okay. Um, I think at some point it's probably time to trade DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. I mean, he's been at it now for six or seven years. Um, the Kings are, in a pl- in, again, in that, in that spot in, in the NBA where you don't want to get caught in because um, you get stuck in the mediocrity treadmill. I believe that's something that uh, Mark Cuban coined. <laughs> um, you don't, you don't want to be there, and that's where the Kings are because – um, he's too good of an individually talented player, but for whatever reason, the Kings during his time going through multiple coaches and multiple systems and all kinds of different teammates and so on and so forth have not been able to thrust themselves into a legitimate playoff conversation. Although as of the taping of this, they are just a half a game or a game <laughs> out of the loss column from the eighth seed in the West. So maybe now it's not the time yet to hit the eject button. But I, honestly, I think if, if the Boston Celtics came a calling and Danny Ainge is still sitting on an absolute gold mine of top draft picks, which primarily belong to the Brooklyn Nets, who will be one of the NBA's worst teams for the next couple of years. If Danny Ainge came calling and dropped a, a truckload of first-round picks on me for DeMarcus Cousins, if I'm running the Sacramento Kings, I'm probably taking a very long listen uh, to that and making a determination whether or not uh, Cousins is ultimately the guy that we can build around and become a consistent playoff team. And if not, then maybe you start over and try to find another franchise player at the top of the draft. Yeah, we've all speculated, you know, what kind of market would there be if the Kings went down that road to, to trade him? And you don't need I think to... there'd be a robust market. Yeah. He, look, he has his issues, but there's no denying that guy is really good. Yeah. I mean, he is super talented. He's now shooting threes, which everybody loves. Heck. He went crazy against the Rockets when we were there. I thought he was going to single-handedly bring the bring the Kings back when he hit those four threes in like four minutes in the in the fourth quarter. He's he's now shooting threes um, on, with a on a pretty you know, pretty reliable rate. Um, I, I, I again, I think he is one of the fifteen most talented guys in the league. And I think there would be a, a robust uh, market 
uh, for DeMarcus Cousins. If for some reason between now, again, my opinion, between now and the deadline in the middle of February, if the Kings ultimately don't see themselves as a playoff team this year. Yeah, and some teams are, are more risk-averse. You guys are one that's not. I mean, I'm not suggesting Daryl no. Morey would do it, but do you think – not let's remove cousins from this now. You guys, in consideration, if you're closer to that 59 win pace, is Maury the kind of guy at the trade deadline that says, "Oh yeah, we're good, but we can be better." Do you anticipate the Rockets yes. doing anything? Uh, well, he, he's he's never let a trade deadline pass uh, without making a trade, and I expect the same thing will happen uh, <laughs> this year. Um, he is very active and is willing to take. He's probably willing to take more risks than any other GM. Uh, in the entire uh, NBA. And my philosophy is this, whenever you're making a trade, if you can somehow end up with the best player in that particular deal, uh, then I think you have to um, make it. And if you're talking about, look, you can't win. Let's just forget just getting to the playoffs over the last going on. I mean, heck since 1980, you can't even realistically begin to think you're a legit championship contender. If you don't have, in my opinion, and you look again, look at all the rosters, at least two, preferably three of the 10 or 15 best players in the league at any given moment. And we're talking like future Hall of Fame level talent players. There are a couple of exceptions. I think the Bad Boys Pistons would probably fall in in line. I think the Rockets' first championship with just Akeem, but he was the best player in the world um, those two years, they added Clyde Drexler after that. Like that's the exception. I think when the Pistons won the title in 2003 yeah. um, is an exception, but they had five all-stars on that roster. And then I would probably go as far as to say the 2011 Dallas Mavericks with just Dirk, although they had future Hall of Famers Jason Kidd, even though he wasn't the same player at that stage of his career um, on, on the roster. So I think <clears throat> if you have a chance – to go get somebody who's one of the 10 or 15 best players in the league at any given moment to add to your team. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I think you got to make that trade and see what happens. Yeah. That's just, that's my philosophy. And the Rockets not saying that they would make that particular deal, but they're, they're willing. I think they've proven that that's a risk that they would be willing to take, even if things continue to be hunky dory around here. Yeah. Well, they are right now and you guys are rolling winners of seven in a row. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for joining us. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Likewise. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, my thanks to Craig Ackerman for joining us, giving us an in-depth preview of the Houston Rockets and sharing his thoughts on the Sacramento Kings. We'll have a recap of the game for you tomorrow on the podcast and want to remind you how to find us and send me your questions, too, for the Friday Mailbag, jason.ross at cbsradio.com, on Twitter at jasonross1140. I appreciate all that feedback. And follow us on Google Play, iTunes. Subscribe there. Leave us ratings and reviews. Stitcher, Audio Boom, all the ways to find us. And please let more people out there know that we are out here each and every day. It's free. You get it on your time when you want it. And uh, we're trying to put the best product together for you out there. So thank you for supporting us. Thanks again to Craig Ackerman. And we're back again tomorrow with another edition of Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Just one look at you. And I know it's going to be a lovely day.
Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.